Back during World War II, C.S. Lewis, one of my good friends, uh, he wrote a very creative work of spiritual encouragement that was this imaginary conversation between Screwtape, an experienced demon, and his nephew, okay, Wormwood, who was kind of a new and up-and-coming demon, right? And Wormwood's job was to take this one particular guy in London, England during World War II, and he was supposed to prevent him from becoming a Christian, and should he become a Christian, try and derail him at every turn from making progress in his Christian life. And so the work is called the Screwtape Letters. And so Uncle Screwtape gives his advice to uh, Wormwood about how he can go about trying to prevent him from becoming a Christian. Of course, he does become a Christian. And so then how can he stop him from, from growing as a Christian? It is outstanding reading. It's, it's very creative. I, I thoroughly recommend it to you. In the preface to the Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis wrote this. Readers are advised to remem- remember that the devil is a liar. Readers are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. I think sometimes we forget that every day we are, in reality, in a spiritual war. And that spiritual war is not some mystical, uh, you know, knock em, sock em, duke it out between angels and demons right, in some realm that we can't see. That spiritual war is going on over influence over our souls. What we believe, what we think, and how we live. And C.S. Lewis wrote Screwtape Letters to say, listen, everybody, just remember, okay, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are going to face opposition. You're going to be encountering truths that are uh, presented to you as lies, and lies presented to you as truths. Satan is going to try to deceive you, and nothing has changed. Satan has been deceiving since the garden, since Genesis 3. And so you and I, in all the ins and outs of our lives, right? I don't know everybody here, but I know we all doing our things. We're, we're going to work. We're dealing with stuff at home. We got retirement in view. We got school starting in a month or whatever's going on. All the things that are going on in our lives, right? We know that we are facing spiritual warfare right now. So you are advised to remember that the devil is a liar. That you're going to face this need to discern what is true and what is false. And right here in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, we get a very succinct summary, right? That's this nice statement of what it means for us to do this. We're called to it, and then, well, how do we do it, and then why should we do it? And I just love this passage because it gives us, again, crystal clear marching orders in this war. And you'll notice in verse 1, we get the initial command, and John says it two ways. He says it negatively and positively. But watch what he says in chapter 4, verse 1, and this applies to all of us. Dear friends, again, talking about his his fellow believers, right? Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. Now, that's that's the initial command stated negatively. Hey, don't be naive. Don't, Don't believe every spirit. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true, right? Just because it's being sold on a Christian website doesn't make it true. The term spirit here, in most of your Bibles, it should be a little s, and this really, this term spirit refers to uh, worldview, thinking, and teaching, okay? It, it's, it's hard for us to kind of put it into one term in English, but we know it's about, primarily about teaching because of this. Number one, as we'll see at the end of the verse, false teachers dispense of the spirit, so they're teaching it. And then we'll see in the next few verses that we test it by what it says, by the doctrine of it. 
So we know that we're talking about what we believe to be true about the universe, about ourselves. We're talking about who God is, who we are, issues of identity, what we should do, issues of morality and ethics. So all that is a spirit in this context. And he says, John says, do not believe every spirit, okay? Don't, don't be naive and think that every spirit, every teaching, every worldview is valid or every content that you're going to read, right, that's, that it's true and accurate. Don't believe every spirit. Secondly, he says, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Test, discern, right? Figure out what's going on with, with what you're hearing. Analyze it. Compare it to a standard. We'll talk about the standard more in a minute, right? He says, but test the spirits to see if they are from God. Because many spirits are not from God. So you're going to be going along in life. You're going to school. You're going to work, right? You're on vacation. You're going to encounter truth, teaching. You're going to encounter uh, someone present something as truth, right? You're going to encounter this. You're going to read it. You're going to hear it. Somebody's going to say it in conversation. And you're going to have to go, wait a minute, hold on. Is that teaching, is that worldview, is that spirit from God and therefore true and reliable? Or is it not from God and therefore not true and therefore not reliable? And we are called to discern, to test. There's a lot of different ways uh, we do, you know, testing in different circumstances. I'll never forget the first time my parents, many years ago, they bought a house that had a pool in it. And so uh, the pool has to constantly be tested for the, the chemical levels in the water, right? And especially after my children swim in it, you got to test that thing because you just, you just don't know. So, you know, you, you got to test. You got to test the water. And, you know, my dad had to learn how to do these tests that you got to get the thing out. And you got to look at, is the line here? And does it turn blue or pink? Or what is the thing? And then we know about other tests, right? But anyway, so, you know, it's like, okay, so we got these tests. Well, you have to learn to do that. Well, John's saying the same thing here. Listen, Christian, you bought a house with a pool. You've got to test the spirits. And if you're going through life uncritically accepting what's being sold to you on TV or what everybody else is reading or what somebody found on the internet somewhere, you have to be careful because I would venture to say not just half of that, but most of that is not from God. And sometimes we bank on it like it is. Or in, again, naivete, we just like, ah, well, whatever. It helped them, so maybe it'll help me. And John says, whoa, 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 slow down. And he clarifies the end of verse 1. He says, okay, test the spirits. That's the command. Test the spirits to see if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. There's a little discussion here. Is he just talking about false prophets that have left the church and they've gone out from the church and they've kind of rebelled against the apostolic teaching of the gospel that we find encapsulated for us in the Bible? Or is it just talking about like Satan sending out false prophets? And probably both. It doesn't really make a huge difference either way. One way or another, we live in a world that's populated by false prophets. In, uh, in other circumstances or in other days, false prophets would actually have presented themselves as prophets or religious teachers. Sometimes today, we do face false prophets that are, present themselves as religious teachers. They might knock on your door on a Saturday morning, right? And they're going to present themselves as arbiters of spiritual truth. Or they might have a YouTube video that shows them teaching spiritual truth, okay? Many false prophets, John says, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Sometimes our false prophets don't present themselves as religious teachers. 
They just present themselves as like cultural commentators. And they have talk shows, or they're politicians, or they're influential writers, and they have you know, all this, this kind of influence. But make no mistake, they are teaching a spirit, a worldview. And John says, don't be naive. Don't believe everything you hear. Test the spirits. Test the spirits to see if they're from God. Because make no mistake, false prophets are everywhere. Okay, you got to be careful. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the command. Test everything. We'll just say it that way for simplicity's sake this morning. Test everything. Don't be naive. Listen, we are always at risk. And that risk comes from many different sources. I can highlight a few. It's not exhaustive, but here you go. Just a little you know, reminder here. Of course, we're at risk from non-Christian teaching explicitly non-christian teaching so people are going to say oh this is the this is the way you should live your life and it'll be a teaching that's not based in the word of god it's not based in scripture this is how you should think about your identity this is how you should function in this world and any of that teaching that doesn't come from a christian perspective we just have to say wait a minute i can't accept that at face value i have to test that we need to see if it's from god we'll talk more in a minute about sometimes when they happen to, to chance on something that's right but on the whole we test those those teachings to find out if they are or are not from God, right? So obviously, non-Christian teaching, we're going to get there. Sometimes, though, there's maybe a a non-Christian teaching that's seemingly innocent, and it just, it's presented as innocent. It's presented as, hey, this is no big deal. And I'm thinking here of, like, the Disney Channel, right? So, you know, we love watching those Disney movies. They're great. They're highly entertaining or whatever. But you pay close attention, and you will see that there is a worldview and a teaching that goes on in entertainment, in every form of entertainment, And you just have to be careful. Just because it's a form of entertainment that's rated for kids doesn't mean it's from God, right? So you just have to be careful that there's a lot of uh, presentation of truth that's so-called innocent in the eyes of our culture that is certainly not innocent in the sight of God. So we have to test the spirits. I'm not saying don't watch Disney. I'm saying watch Disney with your eyes open, right? Pay close attention. Test the spirits. A third source of of, of false teaching would be false, quote-unquote, Christian sources, Okay, every church that has a, has a cross on it is not necessarily a church that proclaims the word of God. We know this. So we have to say, okay, wait a minute. I have to be careful. Just because it comes from a Christian website or it's sold in a Christian bookstore or a Christian book website doesn't necessarily mean it's accurate or true. We have to test everything. We know about the prosperity gospel where people teach you, if you come to Jesus, you'll get rich you know, uh, and be healthy and, and, and be successful in everything. And so that's why you should come to Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. Sometimes in our current culture, we've got progressive Christianity, which is like abandoning uh, the historic truths of Christianity for progressive ideals that fit with our culture. Uh, Sometimes certain forms of fundamentalism are false Christianity, where they claim your acceptance by God is on the basis of obedience to these uh, particular rules. If you don't obey these rules, then you're not accepted by God. Test everything. Test everything. And some of you are a little sassy this morning. I can see it in your face. And you're thinking, well, shouldn't we test you then, Pastor Ryan? Yes! Yes! Bring your own Bible and open it, right? I mean, you need to test everything. And you need, to be, you need to be working hard to discern, is this from God and consistent, as we'll see with his word, or is it not? Because there are a lot of false teachers out there, a lot of false teachings out there. So, yes, test any preaching that happens in this church, any teaching that happens in this church, you test it. Test television, movies, any reading that you do, right? Any of that media. And just because it's old doesn't mean it's innocent either, by the way, right? So, you know, you just got to be careful here. Just, again, watch with your eyes open. 
Pay attention. Test everything. Especially test what you read. And we've talked about this in our roundtable on the covenant nature of the church uh, recently. But, you know, the, the, uh, the access we have to ideas on the Internet is a great thing in many ways. But it has a little bit of a dark side because now anybody can put truth out there that hasn't been read, edited, kind of vetted through uh, trustworthy sources. And so you can find a blog that looks Christian and, hey, maybe some of the things on there are you would jive with, but some of it, it may not be accurate or true. So you just have to be careful and have your eyes open when you're reading. Test what others tell you. One of the most common ways we share a spirit, a, a teaching, a worldview is through conversation. And where we share, we give advice, we, 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 we receive advice from others. So test, test everything, no matter where it's coming from. I don't know if you've seen that new Head & Shoulders commercial. We've been watching the Olympics, and this commercial came on. It's got uh, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback for the Kansas City, what's their names? And the, um, <laughs> who's the other guy from the Steelers with the ridiculous hair? Paul Amalo, yeah, that guy. So he's got these guys, and the thing is, they're never not working. Right, and that's the premise of the ad. Never not working. Head and shoulders is never not working. There, and then it shows them like flying a plane and giving golf lessons. Everywhere they are, they're working. That's the idea. They are not always working for whatever it's worth. But uh, head and shoulders never not working. Christian, let's take that little slogan and just subtly, subtly tweak it. Never not testing. Test everything. Test all the spirits to see if they are from God. We've got to be never not testing. I don't care if you're in the grocery store and somebody's talking with you in the aisle. You test it. Okay, if you read it on a tweet, you test it. You hear it in a sermon, you test it, right? You're reading a book that everybody says is so great, you test it. Not out of a sense of obnoxious kind of arrogance, but out of a sense of there are false teachers out there and we need to believe what is true and not what is false. Be advised, the devil is a liar. He will sneak falsehood into your life through blogs, through things you read, through things you watch. He will do it. And so test everything. We've got to be never not testing. Now the question is, okay, well, how? Is there a kit we can buy? Kind of. Verse 2. Watch. This is how he goes. Paul, or John explains. This is how, I just love that. How do we do it? Okay. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Now just before we get on to it, I want you to notice that Spirit there is capitalized with a capital S. That means it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because any teaching, right, that is worth making your life on, that is dependable in that sense, right? Any of that teaching, it comes from the Spirit of God. He actually mediates it to us through the Bible. And so we have, we have this question, is it trustworthy? Is it a teaching that is from the capital S Spirit? Is a little S Spirit from the capital S Spirit? Is it from God? It doesn't have its ultimate source in the Spirit of God. So he says, this is how you know the Spirit of God, Okay? Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Full stop. I mean, he contrasts it in verse 3, but just let that sit for just a second. This is how you know if the spirit is actually from the Holy Spirit, if that teaching. Does it confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Now, why is that the issue here? Well, back in the first century, uh, there was this, we've talked about it a lot in our series, there was this false teaching that was creeping up in the church community, and it was this teaching. This is what it said. It was really popular in actually Rome, but it had influence and kind of spread like wildfire. And this is what it said. It said, you know what? Um, Everything spiritual and immaterial, non-bodily is good, and everything physical is like bad or inherently flawed. 
Okay, so that there was like that was the basic premise of the worldview, and therefore it said Jesus, the the spirit, the immaterial Jesus, uh, the Jesus without flesh. That's he's really good, but Jesus did not actually take on flesh because flesh, like physical flesh, is bad. So they would say, yeah, Jesus is great, but don't say that he actually came in the flesh. And John says that's exactly what we're saying. We are literally saying that the eternal second person of the Trinity became human for us. It's the mystery of the gospel that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he has to be fully God and fully man. And so John says, you want to know if a spirit is the real deal? If it's from God, does it confess? Meaning, does it agree? Is it based on the the confession that Jesus Christ, that he came from God in the flesh? That's the question. It is a doctrinal, right, evaluation of teaching. That's how we know that when he's talking about the spirit here, he's talking about a a worldview that includes doctrinal teaching. It may not be formally articulated like that, but it is that. So you have to be walking around as a believer, ready to test every spirit by asking, what do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about Jesus? Do they believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament? the eternal second person of the Trinity who took on flesh, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. If they believe that, then that spirit is from God. If they do not believe that, it is not from God. We just have to, we have to call it what it is. There's no neutral ground here for John. Either it is or it isn't. Now, in verse 3, he comes at it the other way. But, he says, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So if the teaching says Jesus is not the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, or he did not actually take on flesh and die for our sins and and rise from the dead, if, if that's not what they confess, then whatever they're doing, they aren't from God. That message is not from God. That worldview is not from God. It is not trustworthy. It is, uh, unstable. It is not reliable. And so John says, you just got to be careful here. Just because it's wrapped up in a Christian package doesn't mean that it's the real deal test everything. How do we test everything? We test everything by Christ. He's the standard. We test everything by Christ. He is the standard. It's it's not, well, we come up with some, you know, sophisticated level of theological analysis. It's really not that complicated. Is it Jesus? Is it teach what Jesus is is presented as in in the Bible or not? Do they agree with that or not? If they don't, not from God. If they do, then they are from God. Notice at the end of verse 3, He talks about how this other spirit, the the one that doesn't confess Jesus is the Christ, right? That he came in the flesh. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. Even now it is already in the world. We covered this back in chapter 2 with Pastor Andy, but you got to know that that there is a... uh, there's an expected coming one who will lead the world in rebellion against Jesus. But sometimes we can think, ah, oh, well, that's the end times. That's coming like, you know, who knows when, right? And we forget what John says literally. And this is, by the way, the, the, the bulk of the teaching in the Bible about the Antichrist is right here in 1 John chapter 2 and here in chapter 4. But this is what he says. He says, yes, the Antichrist is coming, but don't, don't be deceived. The spirit of the Antichrist is here right now. And that teaching, it might seem innocent, It might seem like it's not harming anybody, but don't be mistaken. It's anti-Jesus. 
And because of that, we must view it with suspicion. We have to be careful about that. It will do harm. And so there's a healthy suspicion here uh, of teaching and doctrine and worldview, right? So that's the spirit of the Antichrist. And we know that spirit is coming. But look, even now, it's already here and active. They wrote that 2,000 years ago. Just imagine if he had had access to YouTube, right? Are you kidding me? Now, the lie, be advised, the devil's a liar. The lie of our culture is that, like, Satan is working in, like, the ultra-dark, really, really bad stuff that's, it, that's obviously wicked and immoral, and, like, there's a secret baby-sacrificing cult, and that's satanic, right? If there is such a thing, it is satanic, okay? Shouldn't be. But don't be deceived, because then all of a sudden we get out of that darkness, like that, that you know, corner there, and we think, oh, well, you know, but everyday life in America, like, Satan's not really that active. Yeah. Satan has won. The, the hearts and minds of this nation by convincing people he doesn't exist. Be advised, he is a liar. And so what happens is you turn on the TV and you just turn off your filter. You just relax. Test everything by Christ. The spirit of the Antichrist is alive and well today. So you can't just turn it on and shut off your filter. You can't just open the book and shut off your filter. You've got to, you must test everything by Christ. This is obviously done through the word. So when John gives us this category in 2 and 3 about is the confession of Jesus there or not, he's, that's shorthand for the gospel, right? And he's basically saying, we've given you, and this is, again, by the Spirit of God, this gift has been given to us, the Bible. And the question is, is what you're hearing consistent with what you find in the Bible? Right? That's, this is the standard. And this is, and really the, the primary question is all about Jesus. How do they handle Jesus? Because when you see how they handle Jesus, that will clarify whether or not it's trustworthy or not. And so there's the high error and the low error that kind of he refers to here. The high error regarding Jesus would be to say there was no human Jesus. He was just like a spirit at work. And if, if Jesus was not human, then he is not our representative. The book of Hebrews makes that very clear. And so if he was not our, our representative on the cross, if he didn't die in our place and rise in our place then you are still on the line for your sin. So that's not gospel. The low error is just as, uh, you know, a problematic though. If Jesus was only human, that's another kind of false version of this. Jesus is only human. He's just a regular guy. This is how the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons will present you Jesus, that he's not, he wasn't actually God that came in the flesh. He was like a human person who taught so well and did so many good things. He was like elevated and upgraded to being greater than human, but still not great as God, you know, the level of God or the God overall. And so it's complicated how they get there. But at the end of the day, they don't say that Jesus is the second person of the Trinity who took on flesh to die for our sins and rise from the dead. And so it's like, well, in that case, then Jesus, if he's not really God, then what is Jesus? He's just a guy. And if he's just a guy, then we need to stop worshiping him. Then he doesn't have power. He's not, he doesn't have inherent glory. And he's not able to save us. I don't care who they are. If a human being claims to be able to come and to save you from your eternal sin, you got a problem there, right? Because we can't. And so there's a lot at stake here. Test everything by Christ. Now, what about that neutral ground, supposedly neutral territory? Um, roses are red, empirical evidence, you know, scientific fact. What do we do about all that kind of stuff? Well, here's the reality. When it comes to statements of scientific or empirical fact, 
Obviously, in that case, there's not really anything spiritual at stake. Sometimes there is, and if there are spiritual truths that are being attacked by scientific means, like creation, that God created everything, we have to deal with that as a spirit to be tested. But I would say it this way. We need to test any teaching that makes any kind of uh, moral, spiritual, identity, or theological claim, which that's basically just about everything. There's not much that doesn't get there. You know, in purely scientific terms, like are we testing, you know, the speed of this or, you know, which, uh, which swim cap is the fastest? We're watching the Olympics, you know, and we're going, which scientifically, which skim cap is the fastest? I don't think you need to test that one, okay? If, like that's the study you're reading, okay? But outside of that, if it makes any kind of claim to ethics or morality, any kind of claim to explain how, who we are as humanity, why we're here, what we're supposed to be doing, if there's any theological connection at all to who God is and what the Bible says, then we test it, okay? Then we test it. So most things need to be tested. All counseling must be tested by the Word of God. Again, another way Satan has kind of snuck in here is, again, be advised, he's a liar, Right? It's like, well, you know, if you need advice about what to do in life, you don't really need to go to a Christian source for that. You should go to an expert. Test everything by Christ. If you go to the expert, everything they say is subject to verification by the Word of God. That doesn't mean they might not find something helpful, but I think it's problematic when, we are, when our first gut instinct is to go to someone outside of Christ for counsel on how we should live. That's a problem, right? All counseling must be tested. Most politics should be tested. Most, why most? Okay, I was, I was thinking about it this week. You're like, what do you do all week? I was around. This is what I do. I sit around. I was thinking about a politician like having a disagreement with a city council about whether or not a road should be paved or not. And I'm thinking, I, I think that could not be tested. Like, okay, whatever. You know, he's running on this campaign. I'm thinking local politics. The roads in West Milford need to be repaved, and we're going to get it done. Okay, fine. Okay, then I don't think that really needs to be tested. Uh, now, there are certainly biblical principles that might tangentially apply to that about financial stewardship and wisdom and all the rest, of course, but it, you know, it in and of itself does not necessarily need to be tested. However, any political view that involves the family, that involves our identity, that involves especially the gender issue that is such an issue in our culture right now, uh, that involves life, abortion at the beginning of life, or euthanasia at the end of life, any political agenda that deals with any of that must be tested by Christ. Test everything. All forms of entertainment have a message, okay? Everything, every, it doesn't matter if it's a play, if you're reading Shakespeare or whatever you're watching Disney, it has, it has, an, it has a message, and mul- multiple messages, actually. So you need to be paying attention to that. Music has a message. Did you know that? Music carries a message with it. In some ways, music is like a gateway to the heart because it kind of bypre- it bypasses our rational side and just cuts straight to often the emotional side. So just be careful there, what you're listening to and the message behind it. Now, test everything by Christ. Why bother? Well, watch verse 4. John helpfully returns to kind of reviewing the benefits of the gospel for us here. In verse 4, John writes, You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now just stop right there at verse 4. You know, a lot of times we, we identify key verses to memorize. This would be a nice verse to memorize, okay? You are from God. He's going to contrast in verse 5. You are not from the world. They are from the world. Now, who's the they? They are the false teachers. 
the ones that are bringing this false teaching into, uh, into culture and spreading it. So they are from the world, but you are not from the world. You are from God. And little children there, don't get distracted. Remember, that's John's term of endearment for the church. Precious ones, okay? Precious ones. Don't forget, you're in the family. You're from God. And guess what? You have conquered those false teachers. Now, he has to say that because in many circumstances... False teachers have more influence culturally and more power socially than the Christians did in the first century. The Christians were in the minority. We are headed that way. We're already there, I think, in many ways, but where we function as a minority in an unbelieving culture. So the false teachers, they have the power of the use of media. They have the power of having the best production value in what they do. They have the power of influence in government, this, that, and the other, right? So those false teachers, they seem really powerful, uh, I, I would never forget, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's just hard because there's so much, so many messages that are anti-Christ in our entertainment, and it's just, it's coming at, it, at us in so many different directions. It's like, how do you fight it on the one hand? But on the other hand, I got verse, verse four here. It says, you are from God, precious ones, and you have conquered them. Have conquered them. Past reality with present ongoing results. How did we conquer them? By faith in Jesus, when we connected to Christ in faith, we conquered all that false teaching. Why? Because in verse 4, because the one who is in you, namely God dwelling in you through the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, right? Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And there he's identifying the ultimate driving force behind all this false teaching is Satan. (laughs) Be advised. The devil's a liar. And he's the one peddling all this anti-Christian thinking and pushing it and sanitizing it by taking it out of the religious realm and putting it in a quote-unquote non-religious context. And so there it is, and he's just selling it. And he seems very powerful, and it seems like we cannot compete with him, but you got to know that Jesus Christ has defeated Satan with his death on the cross and his powerful resurrection. So we don't have to be scared of him. We don't have to be scared of his budget. We don't have to be scared of his resources. We are God's children. And the one who is in us is presently greater than the one who is in the world. You need this truth as you have to test everything by Christ. You need this reminder. This is because of Christ. This is who you are. You're in the family. You already have the victory. And that victory has, yes, it was a past event, but it has this ongoing significance in your life. He contrasts in verse 5, The false teachers with us. He says, they, the false teachers, are from the world. And by world there, he means by the world of rebellion against God, unbelievers, right? That's That's their world. Therefore, and this is so important, okay? This is why we can't just accept any of it. Therefore, what they say is, what does your Bible say? From the world. So there really is no neutral ground. That's what John's saying. If they're, not, if they're not from God and speaking in uh, harmony with the Spirit of God and, that, and in agreement with the apostolic message about God, if that's not what they're doing, then they are from the world. And what they say is from the world, which means it is suspect. And at the very end of verse 5, and the world listens to them. They speak the world's language and the world receives you know what? Many days, so do we. I just got to tell you that there is an importance 
to thinking biblically every day. We can't just think like everyone else thinks. Never not testing. We got to be after it. Because this other chunk of teaching that we're going to face, and it's the majority, right? It's not from God. It's from the world. It is therefore not authoritative. Its ultimate source is Satan. And even though it might seem innocuous on the one hand, on the other hand, you have to acknowledge it for what it is. I don't know if I can't buy that. I can't build my life on that. I can't make significant life decisions based on that. I must test this by Christ. Why? Because of Christ. And the world is going to hear that teaching and the world will accept it because it makes sense according to a worldly mindset. According to a mind that's in rebellion against God, that few makes sense. Um, I was re- I'm reading this book, and I commend it to anybody who's up for it. It's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It's by Carl Truman. It's a philosophical analysis of how we got to a place in the world where I can say this sentence, and it might make sense to you. I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Right? That sentence, for fringe academics, there, there may have been many over the past 50 years that would have been like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. But you can say that in Starbucks today, and people go, oh, yeah, well, that's, yeah, could be. How did we get to the place where we're in a world where we, someone can say that and it makes sense? Well, it's because these false teachers are from the world, and they speak the world's language, and the world listens. And the world's like, yeah, that's a thing. Like, yeah, that could be, you know, that's it. And so I, I commend that book to you, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. It was a really good read by Carl Truman. The fact is, they are from the world. But, verse 6, we are from God. Any, anyone who knows God listens to us. Now, who's the we here? The we here is the apostolic we. This is the Apostle John flashing his apostolic badge. We talk about that every once in a while, but sometimes in the Bible, the apostles kind of whip out the badge. They're like, sheriff, bro, deal, okay, right? Like, that's their deal. So he does that here. John says, hold on. I have the badge of authority. We are from God, the apostles. Anyone who knows God, remember that's the secret knowledge, their little thing. Anyone who knows God listens to us. And anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. So John says, basically use the apostolic teaching as the standard for the testing. Test everything by Christ. Once again, that's why we're so big on the Bible here. Because it doesn't matter who's preaching or teaching. It doesn't matter what you're watching or listening to. This is the standard. This is how you test to see if that spirit is from God or not. This is what God has blessed us with. He's given us the resource that we need. And so we need to rely on it. On the apostolic, you know, uh, transferring of the message. The, The baton, Jesus gave the baton to the apostles. The apostles wrote down the message and they started spreading it everywhere. And so here we have it encapsulated for us in the word. So anyone who knows God listens to the apostolic message and agrees. Anybody who doesn't, is anybody who's not from God, does not listen to the apostolic message and does not agree. And then he concludes in verse 6 with this important identification. He says, this is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. By fidelity to the apostles' message. This is how you know whether the spirit, the teaching, the worldview is true or whether it is false. Does it, does it exist in harmony with or as an outflowing of the message of the apostles about Jesus? Or is it something else? Because if it's something else, it's not just innocent, it is deception. Note that at the end of verse 6, 
This is how we know what? The Spirit of Truth, capital S, what comes from the Holy Spirit is truth. And we can contrast that with the Spirit, the teaching of the world, which is deception. Be advised, the devil is a liar. In significant passages in the Bible that talk about spiritual warfare, the issue is never charms or symbols or incantations or, you know, special recipes for prayer juice or something like that. Like th- these passages, I'm thinking of Second Corinthians 10, I'm thinking of Ephesians 6, I'm thinking of Colossians 2. Uh, you know, these passages, they talk about the battle for our mind and what we believe. And so we must protect our minds. We must be careful. Test everything by Christ, but test everything by Christ because of Christ. Because we are God's children and precious ones. There's something at stake if we choose to follow deception rather than follow truth. And God has provided for us because he doesn't want us wandering aimlessly in this world, just being influenced by the loudest voice or the voice with the biggest production budget. He says, listen, test everything by Christ and test everything because of Christ. Listen, three ways he he reminds us here, we have benefits in Christ. Because of Christ, we are God's children. We are from God. We are in the family. And John keeps coming back to that because it's so important. He's like, don't, don't sell out. You're in the family now. Don't sell out. Secondly, because of Christ, we have overcome false teachers. We have victory in Christ in real time. And sometimes it just doesn't feel like it, but it's true. You've got to know that it's true especially as we increasingly are a minority in the culture. Thirdly, because of Christ, we know that God is greater than Satan. We know that God is greater than Satan. You realize Satan leveraged all of his influence and power to try to thwart the ministry of Jesus. And guess what? Satan is a loser. And you can tell him I said that. He, he lost. 40 days in the wilderness. Jesus stands firm on the word, right? Stands firm on the word, quoting from Deuteronomy to to defeat those attacks on what Jesus was thinking and feeling and wanting to do, right? You can think about it in the garden where Jesus is tempted to to say no to the mission and to just abandon it. And he could have said no, but instead he says, not my will, but yours be done. He defeats that satanic attack. Judas is influenced by Satan to deliver Jesus. And in so doing, he indirectly and unintentionally facilitates the plan of redemption that is the ultimate cause of his defeat. Satan is a loser, but he's mad. And he wants to derail the work of Jesus. And he wants to hinder the church. And if you're here as a follower of Jesus, you need to know he wants to prevent your spiritual growth. Be advised, Satan is a liar. So we got to test everything. We test everything by Christ, and we test everything because of Christ. False teachers are worldly. They speak its language. And frankly, I'm concerned that we, we speak that language a little too well. Every once in a while, we'll use a term that is a biblical term that might sound a little outdated, even though we update translations every two decades or something that happens. But like the fact of the matter is we, we use some of these biblical terms. Even this morning in our ABF, we were talking about the term admonish which means to warn through teaching. So it's, it's, we don't, a lot of people on Twitter aren't throwing around admonish, okay? Uh, we track that. But anyway, so, but why, why use biblical language? Because I don't want to say things the way the world says things all the time. I want to communicate the gospel clearly, right? I want, I want to put the cookies on the bottom shelf in that sense. But what I don't want to do is start thinking in that way. 
where I just hear and agree with what the world says, and I forget to test the spirits, to test everything by Christ because of Christ. What's at stake? The spirit of truth, capital S, versus the spirit of deception. We were um, sightseeing one time. We went and did a European trip back when we were younger and more glorious, and we went to, um, we went to Europe with our, some family members. We flew into, oh, how did that work? We've, anyway, we ended up flying into Rome somehow. We're in the, we're in the airport in Roma, and we're getting on the, off the plane, and I'm really hungry, and who knows what's going on with the time change or whatever, and there's like a, a snack stand there with like a Snickers bar that's like screaming my name, right? So, and I had come prepared, so I had euros, so I go to buy the, I go to buy the Snickers, you think, where are you going with this, Pastor Ryan? Just work with me, okay? So I go to buy the Snickers bar, and I give the, the guy the euro bill or whatever, and he gives me back this change, and I'm looking at this change, and I was about to, we were getting the bags and going, I mean, we're in a hurry, right? And I look at this change, and it's just not looking right. And so I took a second to sit there and try to, you know, my brain with sleep deprivation and time changes and all the rest, to try to calculate the change, and this guy had shortchanged me. Easy target. Tired tourists coming off a long plane, and he had robbed me. I was five euros, okay, so much money. So, but I'm like, hey, you, you know, let's go. And then he had it right there in his hand. He was waiting to see if I would notice. And of course, when I, and then he, and then he puts the rest in there, okay? Now, guess what? Every single transaction after that, I was worried about being deceived, right? My ears were up, and I can tell you what, I counted a lot of euros on that trip <laughs> to make sure that we got the right change. Listen, brothers and sisters. This is how we have to live. We have to live with our ears attuned to what we're hearing. We have to live with an awareness of the spirits, right? Of what's being taught, of what the culture believes. And just because they're not teaching it in a church doesn't mean it's not related to spiritual truth. And John says, don't be fooled. Test everything by Christ and test everything because of Christ. In some senses, this means we, we have to have a constant reminder of this apostolic message, which is why, hopefully, if you're a part of our church family, we keep coming back to the same things. Now we're going through the Bible, we're getting, learning all kinds of new truths about God, but they're not brand new. I mean, they're these truths, the truths that are here, again, uh, you know, encapsulated for us in his word. And so it's like, you know, I had a friend, William Grimshaw, British pastor in the 1700s, but he was like, in all the coming and going that people do and all the living and dying that people do, there's one constant need, right? It's a reminder. And so Grimshaw said it this way. He said, if you perish, you will perish with the word of the gospel on your ears. He's like, I don't care what you're into. If you're around me, you're going to hear the gospel up, into, up to and including the moment of your death. Because guess what? We've got to test everything. Listen, we need to be reminding one another of the truths of the gospel so that we are equipped to test everything by Christ because of Christ. Let's be people committed to doing that. Would you pray with me? We'll ask God to help us. Lord, we thank you for this passage, just a powerful passage, Lord, that calls us very clearly to not believe every spirit, but to test what we hear, to test it by the confession, Lord Jesus, that you are the promised Messiah of the Old Testament who took on flesh for us, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. Lord, we thank you for this apostolic message of truth. Lord, we pray that you would also help us remember that we should test everything because of Christ, because we are your children, because we do have victory over these false teachers in Christ. And Lord, because you are greater than Satan, we confess that publicly today. Lord, it is true. You've proved it to be true. But Lord, we struggle. We're struggling in our families. 
we struggle as we think about work and school and the relationships we have there, Lord. We struggle as we relax on vacation, as we, we seek entertainment on a daily basis, Lord. We struggle to discern, to test everything. And so we ask that you would, by, by your gracious provision in Christ, help us to test everything. Lord, to be aware of what we're taking in. And Lord, to look to and to stand on the truth that we find in your word. We thank you that the fundamental truth that any sinner can be forgiven by repenting of their sins and turning to you in faith is the bedrock foundation of this church. And Lord, we pray that it would be the foundation of our lives as we move forward. So we ask for that help now in Jesus' name. Amen.